is episode 22 of the Postcast. My name is Sean Fairholm, and I'm here with my co-host Cassie Stein, who I'm very jealous of because you're at the 117th U.S. Open in Wisconsin. I am. I am very excited to be here. First impressions of the uh, just the property at Aaron Hills and the, the scope of it? It's huge. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of fescue, but the fairways are green and rolling, and it's awesome to see. Like, if you saw it in person... I think you'd be shocked. Yeah, I heard John Hopkins in his column saying that it's a, a large venue, especially compared to some of the Open Championship venues they have. Wisconsin has hosted 13 USGA championships, but never a U.S. Open, so some history being made this week. And uh, we, we could see some, some rounds kind of stretching to around uh, six hours, given the yardage of the course and the, the distance between holes. Add in wind and, like you said, the long fescue where balls could get easy, easily lost. And uh, it's easy, easy to imagine we'll be playing some long rounds this week. I think that will definitely be the case. Um, mm-hmm. I think one Instagram video that has gone viral now is from Kevin Na. Did mm-hmm. you see that the video he posted? Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> not, not very happy with he, the course. <laughs> no, not at all. And how about Lee Westwood yesterday with his yeah. caddy and coming out of the rough and you could barely see him? I just think the rough is so high. Um that it, there's going to be a lot of lost balls, and that means a lot of penalties. That means a lot of rulings, and um, I think it's going to get backed up really quick out there. Unfortunately, you know the USGA forces you know pace of play, and while we're young, and but it'll definitely be something um, that everyone is interested in. Just see how Aaron Hills plays out um, in front of the world, basically. Yeah, definitely. I think a shorter hitter may actually, uh, ironically, do better here because uh, it is a par 72 course, so you have those four par fives, and they, they're not really reachable. Uh, they're, most of them are not going to be reachable throughout the week, depending on the wind. And uh, you have those wide fairways, and uh, you know if you do miss those fairways, you're definitely going to be penalized this week. We're going to have uh, PGA Tour player Bob Estes on a little bit later. He's going to stop by and talk about what it's like to play in one of these events. He's played in 15 U.S. Opens, and he's made seven cuts, so he's going to provide some insight into what players will be feeling like standing on that first tee on, on Thursday. Um, before we bring him on, let's go through a couple of the, stop, the top uh, storylines for, for the year's second major Dustin Johnson will defend. Will attempt to defend his title. No player has done this at the U.S. Open since Curtis Strange pulled the feat in 1988 and 1989. Johnson has obviously played uh, exceptionally well in 2017. He's number one in strokes gained tee to green and has the three wins to his credit, but struggled mightily in his last start at Memorial two weeks ago and didn't play in the Masters because of injury. Cassie, do you uh, like DJ this week? I do like DJ this week. Um, Paulina was supposed to have her their second child on Monday, so mm-hmm. he's actually not on site yet. Um, I do know he did practice after the memorial. Um, he missed the cut there, so he got to come over here and play so a few practice rounds and get to know the course a little bit better. Um, but if if they in child, I mean, I think that's good vibes, right? Heading into the week, it's got to give him a little luck and a little bit more, um, you know, umph to get it done and go back to back and win uh, another U.S. Open. Sure, kind of like Danny Well at the, at the Masters, a uh, similar situation as uh, to, uh, to DJ uh, having, having the kid uh, right before the tournament. So Yeah, absolutely. Um, the, uh, the other pairings I'm intrigued about are Hideki Matsuyama, Ricky Fowler, and John Rahm. I mm-hmm. mean, those are arguably some of the best players without a major. Even though Rahm just turned pro less than a year ago, if you remember this time last year at Oakmont, he was the low amateur um, when he finished T23. So um, I think that's incredible. But all three players are all under the ripe old age of 28, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, 
Matsuyama, he's 25. He has two wins this season. Ricky was the runner-up at the 2014 U.S. Open. He won this year's Honda Classic. He's playing well. Um, John Rahm, you know, obviously, I mean, what, what more can we say about him? He's He has a tour-high seven top tens in 15 starts, mm. including a win. I mean, that's just incredible. So I really like that pairing. I'm trying to – I'm focusing in on that pairing right now and seeing who comes out of there. Yeah, all three have won this year in the PGA Tour, and all three are looking for their first major. That'd be uh, quite an accomplishment for either Matsuyama or Fowler, especially. Uh, they've been kind of waiting now for a little while to uh, to pick up that first major. So, um, you know, b- best players without a major at this point. I guess uh, you have to look at Fowler as being one of the top guys on, on that list now. now. Now that Sergio and uh, Stenson and DJ have crossed their names off that list, right? Yeah, I, w- I would think so. I mean, I think he's got to be right there. Um, I would probably put Matt Kuchar there. I know he's mm-hmm. a little bit older now. Um, even Steve Stricker. I mean, sure. he's a, he's the he, he's the hometown boy this week. Those three maybe. And obviously Hideki, you can add him to the mix. And um, yeah, I mean, I, whenever whenever I ask that question, I think the list, the list is never ending. You know, it's whoever's playing well at that moment, you can add his name to the list because you could have said Justin Thomas earlier in the season too. Oh, sure, yeah. And there's, a, there's a long list of guys. And if you're talking careers, maybe Lee Westwood at, at this point may be the, the one in terms of your career. But talking about players who maybe have the best chance to pick up a major, um, yeah, everyone you listed there to win. But, you know, Lee Westwood, 11 top fives in majors. Hard to believe he hasn't, hasn't picked one up uh, throughout the years. But it, it, it'll be interesting. I mean, I think, I think the, ma- the major storyline this week with, with Aaron Hills is going to be the golf course itself. There's some mystery in it, and it's tough to predict because we don't really know what kind of golf we're going to be seeing. It's a little bit of an unknown, a par 72 for the first time since Pebble Beach in 1992 for the U.S. Open. A uh, big ballpark, 138 bunkers. Um, what, what indication do you have so far, uh, Cassie, as to how the course will play? You know, I got here. I'm, I, I got here on Monday, so I'm not. I haven't really had a chance to totally walk the full course. I've only seen it from afar. I've got to the driving range. I got to see that a little bit, mm-hmm. but I can't. I really can't wait to get over and just just go walk the course in general. It's 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 a walking course. I mean, it is very hilly. Some people are saying that it's worse than Chambers Bay. Mm. I wasn't out at Chambers Bay, but I guess it was a brutal walk. I think it was um, John Rahm yesterday who told. Um, one of his amateur playing partners, you know, it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. <laughs> it's take your time this week. Like, don't overdo it. Just rest and be ready. Don't, don't like, don't psych yourself out. Get re- get ready, but do not overdo it and just be ready for that first tee on Thursday. Yeah, a lot of uh, semi-blind shots out there. Uh, important to get your sight lines during the practice rounds and, and kind of make sure that that's uh, all, all ready for the uh, – for the first round on on Thursday, and uh, and also it should be an interesting finish to this course because we have two par fives late. You have 14 and 18 that are both par fives, and the 15th could could play as a drivable par four uh, throughout the course of the uh, throughout the course of the tournament. So, um, so that should be interesting. Last storyline to discuss: weather. Uh, you you wrote a blog post about this uh, yesterday, and uh, it could be kind of a mixed bag throughout the week. What do you what do you see in terms of weather happening uh, in Wisconsin this week? You know, I, I feel like it's just such an open field that anything could pop up at any time. Um, it it, it kind of stinks that way, but th- I think that's how it, how it's going to be. I mean, I feel like I wrote that blog about the weather, and I feel like it's already changed. You know, like <laughs> <laughs> it's Tuesday morning, and the gates are already closed. The, the course is – I don't know if the course is flooded, but there's areas where um, fans and players can't walk because it's just already flooded. So 
Um, I guess we'll just have to wait and see on, on what happens and if this weather stays like it is now where it's thundering and lightning, um, who knows? Maybe we don't get started till Friday and we see Phil Mickelson here. That would be just, kind of cool. <laughs> just who We're knows? We're for a weather delay, but yeah. <laughs> no, no, never. But if it's for if it's for Phil, may, maybe some people are rooting. <laughs> Definitely. Well, yeah, you never know with the weather. It's uh, even meteorologists, you know, do not get things right all the time. So we'll just have to kind of wait and see and well, what what happens at at Aaron Hills this week. Any other any other um, major storylines that you're looking at that are kind of on your mind as we head into the week? No, I think like like you said, this course is a mystery to a lot of people. So mm-hmm. I just want to see how you know the top players, Dustin Johnson, Jordan Spieth, Martin Keimer, Sergio, Adam Scott. I just want to see how they all handle it, and just see how they play it, and and just go from there. I, I'm just really excited. It, it seems like a great course, and I, I'm really excited to see who wins. Yeah, and the USJ could definitely use a good week. You know, they had a bad week in 2015 with Chambers Bay, the course not being in great condition, and they had a bad week in 2016 at Oakmont with uh, DJ and the whole ruling on Sunday. So um, a good week for the USJ is definitely needed, and there have been some positive reviews early on in the week at, uh, at Aaron Hills. So hopefully we're, we're off to a, a good start in 2017. Agreed. To uh, talk more about the U.S. Open, now we're going to uh, bring on PGA Tour player Bob Estes. And now we welcome to the postcast a four-time winner on the PGA Tour, Bob Estes. Bob, thanks for stopping by. Sure. Thanks, Sean. You've played in a U.S. Open or two, uh, 15 to be exact. How did your mentality change over the years from your, your first Open appearance back in the early 90s at Hazeltine to your uh, your most recent start? Um, I did just look that up. I think the last time I played in the U.S. Open, 2012, mm-hmm. of course, I've been hurt for the last few years. But, um, yeah, I learned early on um, that I needed to drive the ball way better than I did um, when I first got on tour. But just playing the tour, when I first got on tour, I knew I needed to become a better ball striker as well. And so at times I hit it better than others. But especially at the U.S. Open, you've got to, you've got to drive it well, drive it straight. And another thing I learned, too, that I probably didn't get corrected um, like I should have, was um, not hitting the approach shot quite high enough as well. Mm. I grew up playing blade irons and was probably you know a little too slow to switch to um, maybe you know a little bit more of a cavity back iron like I play now to help me launch the ball a little bit higher. We have uh, 14 amateurs in the field, and of course you came out of Texas winning the Haskins. And how, how did how does the mentality for these young players coming up? Uh, a lot of these these college players. What's the best mentality for them to take going into a U.S. Open? Um, well, I, I guess the main thing is, is just you know enjoy the experience. Mm-hmm. I mean, hopefully, all those guys will have you know many many more opportunities to play in the U.S. Open and all the other majors. But um, yeah, when you're when you're still that young and just getting started, not that you know one of them still couldn't you know get a contention or potentially even win, but. Um, the main thing is, is just to enjoy the experience and just learn as much as you can for future U.S. Opens and future majors. Yeah, we saw uh, amateur Braden Thornberry from Ole Miss almost win on the PGA Tour last week. So these guys can definitely, uh, definitely contend when they when they get their opportunities. Um, if you're the USGA running this event, whether it's at Aaron Hills or Marion or, or Pinehurst, would you put a priority on protecting par? Should, should protecting par matter in an event like this? 
Um, well, I think just the whole theory of a U.S. Open course setup, you know, pretty much protects par. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they've gone over the edge at different times with, um, you know, maybe the, the you know, the, the firmness or, the, or letting the greens dry out or maybe sometimes the fairways just being too narrow and the rough just being ridiculously thick. But for the most part, um, you know, just the, the setup, um, you know, the, the way a typical U.S. Open setup has been in the past pretty much dictates that. But mm-hmm. at times, obviously, it's gotten a little bit out of hand, like at Shinnecock, whatever year that was, when the greens got so dry so fast, and we were basically just putting on dirt. <laughs> I think seventh hole, if I'm not mistaken, was, was one that was really an issue, and the ball wouldn't even stay on the green. So, um, yeah, at times, it's just a little bit too much. We put up a Twitter poll yesterday asking fans if they thought the USGA could go without controversy this week. Of course, the last two Opens have not gone very well for them, Chambers Bay and then Oakmont last year. Um, people don't really seem to have a whole lot of confidence in them at the moment, at least. How important does it make this week in particular for them? Well, I, I think it, it is important, and um, but... You know, we, there's already been some controversy, obviously, mm-hmm. the last couple of days with the, the thickness of the rough. And then a couple of hours ago, when I came home to eat lunch after practicing for a while, I saw on, on Twitter that they were cutting back um, some of the rough on certain holes because it had just gotten so thick and they knew it was unplayable. So, um, yeah, it's um, it'll be interesting to see how it plays. It sounds like, for the most part, players love the course and love the layout and the condition of the course is just about perfect. Obviously, they had a lot of rain last night and this morning, so it will play a lot softer. But, um, yeah, hopefully there won't be any more um, controversy like you know, we've had the last few years. They interviewed Rory recently, and he seemed kind of ex- exasperated when he heard about uh, the USJ mowing some of the, the fescue. If you're a great driver of the golf ball like he is, um, what do you think when, uh, when you see – the USGA going out and, and mowing some of that grass. Yeah, I just saw that. But the, the thing is, even though they're mowing some of that, um, it, it, it's still going to be really, really thick rock. Mm-hmm. It's just that you're not going to, you know, have, you know, full five-minute searches for so many golf balls that, you know, send guys back to the tee box or where they played their previous shot from. So, and also one of the things I've been talking about, because I've had wrist injuries, is when the rock gets that thick and that long, you know, the potential for, for wrist injuries or shoulder or neck or whatever is real. And so, um, you know, golf wasn't, you know, meant to be. Obviously, we can still go back to, you know, you should be able to get the ball in play, but especially if it's a little bit windy, um, you know, balls are going to get blown off line at times, especially when they're just, you know, slight mishits. And so um, you're going to, you know, players are going to end up in that thick stuff and, um, they still may not, you know, find some of the some of those golf balls, but um, but yeah, I, I I did just see that that Rory commented on the rough, and um, you know, we'll see. I mean, he he's an incredible driver of the golf ball, but you know, he might actually benefit from that some a little bit as well. We we'll just have to wait and see. When you get a course like Aaron Hills, where uh, they don't have any water, they, really only five trees in the property, there's no out of bounds. And you have pretty wide fairways, and of course the rough is penal, but the, the fairways are much wider than the typical U.S. Open. You have four par fives. 
could the winning score just based on that be a little bit higher, uh, a, a little bit uh, better than we've seen in, in some of the past U.S. Opens? Um, it sounds like it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm not there, not yeah. in this year, but I did just read where Jordan Spieth, um, we're projecting that you know anywhere from five to ten under par could win. And of course, a lot of it has to do with having four par five versus either two or three. So um, yeah, we'll just have to wait and see. You know, with with all the rain that they've had and the rains in the forecast, the golf course is going to play a little softer, but play a little bit longer. So guys be coming to the greens with. Um, longer clubs, and so um, and it looks like some of those greens and some of those portions of those greens are going to be really difficult to hit. So um, yeah, I'm just kind of looking forward to you know watching some of it when I'm not practicing, getting ready for my upcoming tournaments um, to see how the guys do. When you go to a new uh, a new tournament on a, a course you haven't played before, do you think that tends to bring the field a little bit closer together? Maybe maybe encourage parity. Um, without the field, or is that really not a primary factor when you're going to a, a new venue? Oh, I don't think so. I think um, still it's usually going, well, you're talking a new venue, mm-hmm. which could be difficult, like a U.S. Open, you know, PGA or um, Open Championship venue. Um, yeah, sometimes, you know, those can, um, I mean, you know, those are obviously going to be typically very difficult, but um, usually I would arrive um, at a new at a major, typically, uh, I guess we'll stay on the major thing since that's what we're talking about this week. Usually I would get there um, and be on the course, you know, maybe the, the Friday or the Saturday before. So I knew that learning the golf course was very paramount, especially for me. Um, I needed to be as prepared as I could be as far as knowing the golf course, where to hit it, where not to hit it, knowing the greens and all the areas around them. So, um, yeah, that was that was one thing that I was big on. Uh, but it's still about executing the shots. You know, there's some guys that are just physically more talented or their their ball striking is just better at that point in time. So, you know, those guys are, you know, but maybe they, maybe those guys don't have to know the golf course quite as well just because they're uh, much better ball strikers. But uh, I always knew that I needed to um, know that golf course as well as I could, and, uh, you know, especially when it was a, a brand new golf course. At what point did you figure out that you did not want to play the the tournament the week prior? Uh, you know, some guys like Phil, uh, Ricky, and Adam Scott did did that uh, this this year playing Memphis the the week prior. At what point did you figure out that you wanted to go to the course earlier rather than than being tournament play? Oh, I think that was early on in my career. Mm-hmm. Um, I uh, you know rarely played the week before a major. <clears throat> I think I did often play uh, Memphis before the U.S. Open, and not that I was in the U.S. Open every year, but um, but that was one that I, I usually did. But before the Masters, before an Open Championship, before the PGA, I usually did not play um, because you also, you know, you're, you're not in control of your own schedule the way you are to take the week off before. Like I said, I would usually go in there on a Friday or a Saturday and start my preparation early, whereas, you know, uh, the tournament the week before sometimes either might take a lot out of you, um, whether you're in contention or the heat or whatever. Um, but also the tournament possibly could go in, you know, to Monday or even Tuesday. Mm-hmm. So, you know, all those factors played into me deciding to typically um, not play the week before major. 
Before we let you go, a couple of fun things uh, not related to the U.S. Open. I know you're a big Texas football football guy. Um, Tom Herman, new era in Texas football. How excited are you for the for the fall? Well, I'm always excited for Texas football. <laughs> I guess we'll have to wait and see how. Tom and his new crew do. It sounds like um, the players have bought into it. Everybody, for the most part, is really excited. So um, I, I'm just just looking forward to going to some more games and seeing how they do this next season. And uh, before we let you go, you just played in, in Memphis. Uh, where will we uh, see you next? Um, yeah, I'm off this week, but I'm playing Hartford on the regular tour next week. And then... Play with the old guys the week after that. The <laughs> USC are open, and then back to the regular tour at the Greenbrier. So I've got um, three in a row coming up. Usually, I only like to play two in a row, but um, I think this is going to work out perfectly this time. And the Greenbrier is just such an amazing place that um, it's it's the perfect um, it's the perfect place to be if you're going to play three in a row. It's such a, a relaxing place to go, <laughs> you know, whether you're on vacation or even to play a, a, a PGA Tour event. So. Those are my next three. And great to support them after what happened last year with all the flooding, too. Yeah, that was awful to see, but it sounds like it's um, ready to go, and I can't wait to get there. Absolutely. Well, we'll look forward to, uh, to seeing you there, and, and best of luck. Okay, thank you very much. And thank you to Bob Estes for that insight, and best of luck to his Texas Longhorns who start the Tom Herman era in football this, Austin, this, uh, this fall in Austin. Uh, Bob Stoops already... Uh, scared out of coaching, I guess, by uh, by Tom Herman. <laughs> no, not really. That's it, exactly. <laughs> All right, moving on to the schedule this week. Obviously, we have the U.S. Open at Aaron Hills, Wisconsin. On the web.com tour, we have the Air Capital Classic at Crestview Country Club in Wichita, Kansas. PGA, we have the Meijer LPGA Classic at Blythefield Country Club in Grand Rapids, Michigan. So um, only three um, tournaments on the schedule, obviously the U.S. Open being the biggest, but keep an eye on web.com to, uh, the web.com tour and the LPGA for a few other winners this week. Absolutely. Should be a couple of good tournaments there, and I guess we'll go right into bingo, bingo, bongo. Cassie, we were so close last week. It felt like we were so close. I know we were, but it just didn't happen, obviously, again. Yeah, it was a log jam in, in Memphis, so uh, it was kind of a crapshoot there on the back nine. But both Phil Mickelson and Stuart Sink had uh, had leads on the on the back nine, and uh, ended up finishing at, outside the top eight. Just that that, were, that was how many uh, people were kind of jammed into that uh, that top spot there in Memphis. Um, Daniel Berger ended up winning, and that, that's who I had missed the cut. So I had it all backwards. Oh. <laughs> Man, <laughs> totally forgot you picked him. <laughs> I had Francesco Molinari. I totally forgot. I had Francesco Molinari um, as my sleeper pick, and um, he finished T24. I was actually pretty happy about that. Very nice. Yeah, I had so. Russell Henley. He uh, finished almost dead last in the field, so he did obviously hmm. not not enjoy his stay in Memphis. And uh, like we were saying, I think Phil was solo ninth, and Stuart Sink was tied mm-hmm. for tenth, something in that area but they both had yeah. chances to win the back nine. Phil had that triple bogey in number 12. Sink uh, went bogey double on numbers uh, 10 and 11, and that kind of sunk his chances. But um, good to see them both in contention. They both haven't won since their Open Championship wins. Uh, Phil in 2013, Stewart in 2009, so hopefully they can get a win soon. Uh, Stewart Sink will be in the field. He qualified through sectional qualifying, and uh, Phil will be 
not in the field, we don't think. We're not we're not entirely sure yet. Anyway, let's move on to the game US time, Open. Game time decision. Game time decision, yes. Game, <laughs> game time decision. Game time decision, of course. <laughs> Moving on to the US Open, who do you, uh, who do you like to win? Uh, it, it, was a t- it was tough to pick one this mm-hmm. week, but I'm going to go Jason Day. Very nice. Um, yeah, he won his first major, obviously, at Whistling Straits 2015 PGA Championship, just an hour north of Aaron Hill. So he's got to have some good mojo this week here in Wisconsin. Um, he has five top tens in his last six U.S. Open appearances, including two runner-up finishes in 2011 and 2013. So P15 at the Memorial, runner-up at the AT&T by Nelson. I'm going J-Day this week. I like that. I think you should have won at the Byron Nelson. He really had uh, a yeah. lot of opportunities to win. Remember his first three putt of the week was uh, that that one on the on the in the playoff hole on the 18th green and uh, and and losing that to uh, to Billy Horschel. But yeah, I think he's played a lot better. Maybe that uh, all, all the distraction from well, I don't want to call it a distraction, but just the, uh, the all the emotion with it what was happening with his mom, um, you know, maybe that has kind of subsided a little bit and allowed him to refocus a little bit knowing that she is well. So uh, maybe maybe a, a good time for him to uh, to get his second major victory. I'm going to uh, actually pick Ricky Fowler, uh, one of one Ooh. of the guys on our list of you know players without a major, best players without a major. I, I think he just he just really played uh, well recently, and uh, I, I like just the consistency that he showed this year. Uh, remember, he won the Honda Classic earlier in the year. He uh, missed the cut last week in Memphis, but I think maybe a little bit lack of focus. You know, led led to that, um, and uh, you know he was T two at Memorial, and uh, he's he he's played pretty uh, well here recently. Um, several top twelves in his last. I think he has maybe four or five top twelves in his last seven starts. So uh, I'm gonna take Ricky Fowler to you know. He's in good form, and I think he's gonna gonna play well this week. Yeah. So if you don't mind, if we if we go out of order this week. So I know I, t- I know I talked him up, up, um, you know, best player about a major. He's playing really well right now. But like you mentioned, he, he MC'd last, he miscut last week. And then he, he did finish T2 at the Memorial. So he, he is playing semi-decent, but two U.S. Opens, he's missed the cut in both of them at Oakmont and Chambers Bay. And this is really unfamiliar territory for a lot of players. And I can't see Ricky just, it's the whole U.S. Open, you know, it's the pressure of it. I just can't see him catching on quickly enough to stick around for the weekend or even to contend. And he's playing with Hideki Matsuyama and John Rahm in the first and second rounds. And those three battling out there and, you know, they're top 10 players in the world. I think that's going to just put some extra pressure on him. And I just don't think he's going to be able to get it done this week. Okay, so we're... We're on opposite ends here. We'll, yeah, we'll, we'll see, yeah. We'll see who wins. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's most likely going to be you. So. <laughs> well, yeah. You never know. Whenever you're going to a new course and you have a U.S. Open, uh, things can get away from players quickly, or you know, you can hang around. It's uh, it's one of those weeks where you have to be really patient. And um, yeah, definitely. We'll 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 see what 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 happens there with him. Uh, but yeah, who do you who do you like as your as your sleeper? I have Kevin Chappell as my sleeper, winner of the Valero Texas Open, and he was tied for fourth last week. Um, I think he's really shown recently that he can play in the majors. He finished D7 at the Masters, so he can perform under pressure, and he he can play well at these tough venues. Hmm. I think he's just swinging it really well right now, and I think he could surprise a few people. I feel like it's a name you hear often, but it doesn't really – click with people like they don't really pick him enough mm-hmm. so i'm gonna go with kevin chapel yeah he's played really well this that was one of my my wins early in the year when he won in san antonio yeah he's 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 a good ball striker 
has always been uh, about the putting for him. If he can putt well, he, he's usually in contention, and he's, uh, he's done so a couple of times last year and, and this year. Um, I'm going to take Thomas Peters as my, uh, as my sleeper. He uh, has just played pretty well this year. He was uh, T2 in Los Angeles, T5 in Mexico, T4 at the Masters. This is his last major debut, but uh, 22 of the past 35 winners of major championships have been first-time major winners, and maybe it's time for uh, another one this week. Uh, our last six major winners have been first-time major uh, major champions, so maybe uh, maybe another one this week with uh, with Thomas Peters. Yeah, and I th- and I think that just these young players are just so well prepared coming mm-hmm. into these tournaments, you know, uh, through college golf or just through their coaches in general. So I think I think that's why they can t- contend so early on and just at a young age. Oh, agreed. Yeah, there's so many guys this week under the age of 25 that have a legitimate chance to win, probably more than there ever has been yeah. at, a, at a major championship. Yeah, I agree. So many people, uh, so many young yeah. guys that have a, have a good chance to win. Um, and yeah. nobody's talking about Daniel Berger, who just won last week, right? So it's a, you, just, like, you just exactly. never know. You just, you never, just know. never know. So, so I picked my player to miss the cut, and I said it was Ricky Fowler. Who are you picking to miss the cut this week? Uh, I'm going to go with Phil. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> yeah. was, Good try there. <laughs> thought I'd get that one past you. I was, I was going to say Rory with the, with the month off he's had with the rib injury. But, uh, you know, he's been playing for 10 years and he's only missed 14 PGA Tour cuts. So uh, probably unlikely, even even given uh, his, his uh, you know, his, his lengthy delay there since the Players' Championship. I'm going to go with Henrik Stenson. Yeah, he's missed four cuts since the middle of March. Um, you know, obviously, you'd, you'd say this is a golf course that really suits him well, but um, I, I think uh, this will maybe be a week where he uh, also misses the cut. So, gotcha, gotcha. Well, I mean, I think we have our predictions ready, and let's get this week started. I'm just let's excited for the week. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm excited. Yeah, so that's all the time we have left on the postcast this week. Please follow us on our social media feeds, including Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Just search Global Golf Post and you'll find us. Also, if you have any topics you'd like for us to discuss, tweet at us or leave us a comment on Facebook. Until next time, for Sean and I, hit them straight. See you later.